So, are you DTFF? Once again, here is Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football with your hosts, Dustin Lunt and Jake Trowbridge. Welcome back to another terrific episode of the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Happy Tuesday evening, everyone who is tuning in live with us. Uh, thank you for joining us yet again. We truly appreciate it. We've got another terrific show on hand this evening. We are talking over performers. Last week we did underperformers. Guys, we thought, you know, are, we're going to turn the season around. Tonight, we're doing overperformers. As as I said, players that have outkicked their coverage. Oh, because pun. Yeah, you see that? Firing <laughs> on all cylinders tonight. Wow. Yeah. So we're we're talking about players that have been who we feel have been overperforming to this point, and that we may feel the bottom might drop out from them, or maybe not. Maybe we think, hey, they're overperforming, but their situation is so good that they're going to continue to do this rest of the season. We'll find out later in the episode. But first things first, introducing my co-host with the most, Jake Trowbridge. How are you doing, Jake? Hi, Dustin. I'm I'm great. I, I want to say up front, though, I'm a, little, I'm a little scared. I'm a little nervous because you use the phrase terrific show twice at the top of the show before we've even gotten into anything. I feel like you're setting that bar very, very high. So I just hope for myself that I can uh, live up to that lofty standard you've set for our listeners. Well, really it's terrific for us. Oh, okay, good. That takes the pressure off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Fuck the you, bar, the bar is <laughs> this is here. about us. <laughs> <laughs> the bar is way down here. I'm not, con- you know, comparing us to like, you know, fantasy pros or the ballers or, you know, ESPN. I'm not, no, no, I'm, I'm saying terrific okay. show for us. Okay. The bar is here. It. We're going to try to get right here, right above it. <laughs> so, yeah. We can do it. We can oh, do it. Oh, absolutely. I feel like we're already there. Yeah. You just want to call it? You want to call it a good yep. show and just yep. get the hell Thanks out of here? Thanks everyone for joining. We'll be back next week. <laughs> <laughs> No, of course, we would never do such a thing. We, we've we got a terrific show tonight. So before we get into it, though, Jake, the headline coming out of the NFL, or one of the headlines, I should say, since there seems to be breaking news every other uh, minute here. But Odell Beckham cleared waivers today. And word on the street is the Green Bay Packers are his number one preferred destination as Packers homers on this broadcast, um, uh-huh. we, we have specific feelings about this. But why don't you tell me, Jake, how you feel about this? Well, first of all, I was a little surprised that he actually did clear waivers. The big nuts and bolts of that was the team that picked him off of waivers. If they did, they'd have to pay his seven and a quarter million salary mm-hmm. cap hit. And so nobody could afford it. And so he slid, slid down, 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 and then off of waivers. And now it's it's open season. And he came out. I don't remember who on his behalf said this, but one of his preferred landing spots was the Packers. I saw the Saints and the Patriots kind of tossed in the mix mm-hmm. there too. Maybe another team or two that I'm, I'm leaving out. But if it happened, if the Packers can somehow sign Odell and sign him at a reasonable cost, which seems like would be the case now, then you have a 29-year-old guy who hasn't lived up 
to the expectations that have been set for him the last couple of years. Uh, the injuries probably had something to do with it. But if if it's all mental, you know, there's the issues with uh, Baker and not being on the same page, if that's just mental and he's still a really top flight receiver in actuality, physically, then you get him with Devontae Adams. I mean, that's that's really exciting. And no matter how we feel about Aaron Rodgers being a mm-hmm. douchebag, <laughs> we can at least admit from an on-the-field standpoint for the NFL, that trio would be incredible. Yeah, absolutely. It would be an incredible trio. I, I'll admit, as a Packer fan, I'm a little nervous if this were to actually happen while I think Odell probably still has the talent like that. The talent just doesn't go away. Either age catches up with you or injury or something, uh, which, you know, we've had his share of injuries. So I think I believe the talent is there and I think he could help. I mean, he would go and help pretty much in theory, any NFL team he went to. I worry about the uh, personality conflicts and, and the the diva aspect that he he has or has seemed to have had in the past where he wants the ball he needs to be the focal point of the offense if he's not he he gets loud or makes you know make make, makes a scene essentially uh there there was word with you know out of the browns that you know he's maybe a locker room cancer someone that that wasn't a good locker room guy so I don't now, know. I will say, though, I will say, speaking to that point, because, yeah, a couple years ago, all of that came out and he was a big, it seemed like he was just a giant head case and everything you're talking about with the diva tendencies. But it does seem from his own teammates' perspective, from the Browns' teammates, they've all come out and been like, no, he's fine. He's basically just kept his head down and done what he's been asked to do. So my hope there would be that that's true and that it's just a thing of the past for right. him. And now he's a little bit so. more level-headed. You know, in his older age, he's mm-hmm. gotten more level-headed. I would hope so, but that would kind of be my only concern because it seems like, you know, well, we we have one one douchebag on the team already right now, uh, <laughs> and we we don't need another one in the locker room. So uh, just one is enough. Overall, we've got a good thing going with this season. While well, adding a piece like Odell would be great, uh, I suppose at the right price, you know, I, I, as as a as a rental for the rest of the season, maybe it would be fine. But I don't know that I would want that long-term necessarily for us i don't know that he'd want it long-term if aaron Rodgers isn't long for well, the this Packers. is very fair like if he's going to be gone next year and potentially mm-hmm. Devonte is going to be gone next year too that team doesn't just look like a contender all of a sudden right so maybe even with odell there so that's mm-hmm. kind of weird of him to choose that maybe he wasn't thinking long-term either and he just wants maybe. to win a, a ring this year you know or yeah. have a shot at it absolutely one other team that i had I'd seen a story about was possibly going to the Seahawks. How would you feel no. about that? No. Well, from a, just strictly from a, a fantasy right. standpoint and ignoring right. the fact that if he signs before this weekend, we would be playing against him, the Packers. Very would. true. That's not great. Uh, but, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, you have DK Metcalf and then you have Tyler Lockett and you have a quarterback who's not allowed to throw the ball that much. So that mitigates all of their fantasy values across the board. I mean, I would like it for Russell in theory, but if he's not allowed to throw the ball as much as he wants to, then, you know, what's the point for Mm -hmm. fantasy? Yeah, I agree. So stay tuned, folks. See what happens. Uh, I'm positive he will get signed here within the next day or two of this recording, which we're recording on Tuesday night. 
I'm sure by the Thursday night game, there's going to be news that he is signing with a team. Uh, like I said, he's still got the talent. He's young enough. He has enough to give to a team where, where he will make an impact, especially with maybe uh, a contending team looking to get that kind of final piece to, to push them over the edge. So it'll definitely happen. It's just a matter of when that will happen. Growth. So let's move on here. We've got our beer of the week, Jake, provided by you again. We sure do. This one comes about from, this. Yeah, it comes from Breckenridge. So if you're not familiar with Breckenridge, they're one of the more solid, I'll say, breweries out there. Uh, they're from uh, Colorado. And I bought another mix pack. Dustin, we already had like all of the other varieties while we were watching the game on Sunday mm-hmm. that came in that mix pack. Some of them not very good. I recall uh, especially that there was like a triple ale in there that was so yeah that was not good neither of us finished it and that's i mean our standards are not so high that that's (laughs) a regular occurrence so that that was a little scary but they did have an amber that was really good a vanilla porter that's really good so i was excited it's a strawberry sky it's a strawberry kolsch i like a kolsch kolsch is a very sessionable drinkable Mm -hmm. uh crushable beer whatever you want to call it and the, a little bit of strawberry flavor, as long as it's not wild, if it's not like syrupy strawberry, then I tend to like that. I've had a few sips. I enjoy it. How about you? Yeah, it's it's not a bad beer. Uh, it is a very subtle strawberry flavor. I was expecting a little bit more punch to it, uh, but mm. it's a very drinkable, very solid beer. Uh, great for the summer months. You know, if it's really hot in the middle of summer, like this would be a very refreshing beer for you to have uh, after just mowing the lawn or something. Yeah, maybe it was a poor timing choice on my part because we're like deep into fall here and you don't think of strawberry colch as a fall beer, but we're inside. It's not like we're drinking it outside. Very true. We can make the season whatever we want indoors because we have Mm -hmm. it. (laughs) Well, some of us do. Mm, That's right. I forgot that you are going through a heater debacle right now. Well, that that was rude of me in hindsight to say that. Uh, I'll let it slide. It's fine. Um, but yeah, uh, well, it, it's, it's a fine beer. It's, you know, not not the best beer we've had on the show, but not terrible either. It's fine. We haven't done the rating thing in a while. We we should do that real quick. Like, let's say out of five, I, I personally, I'd give this like a three and a quarter. I'd say like a 2.75. All right. So we're not, we're not either of us smitten with it. I like no. it a little bit more. If it had more strawberry flavor, I feel like you'd be... I mean, up, a little bit more in my area. Yeah. Like I said, right. not a bad beer, but just kind of like, eh, it's fine. Okay. Well, you didn't you didn't necessarily love the beer, but I can guarantee you're going to love this next part of the show Absolutely. here. I'm just going to choose to rip the Band-Aid off myself because I feel it hurts less when I do it than when I let somebody else do it. <laughs> so we have a beer bet payout, as we always do at the top of the show, and a little refresher for the listener, because part of this they know and part of this is going to be new to them. Mm-hmm. Last week's beer bet was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes. Well, that's how long ago, that's how long this week has felt. It's been a week since the news came out about Aaron Rodgers testing positive for COVID and being unvaccinated and all of that. You Going into Tuesday night, we were like, hey, he's playing. Let's get this beer bet on the books. It'll be very interesting. And obviously we couldn't go through with that because Aaron Rodgers didn't fucking play on on Sunday. Instead, Jordan Love played. He finished quarterback 18, by the way, 
One Not spot bad. ahead of Patrick Mahomes at quarterback 19. I mean, woof. Woof all over with that yeah, one. But it wasn't a great offensive showing by either team. No. It uh, oh, it was a it was a defensive slugfest mm-hmm. and obviously disappointing for us, but in any case, we decided to switch. So I threw out a couple of options to you before the game started. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we ended up going with Cordero Patterson versus Alvin Kamara. So you had your your choice and you took Kamara. Sure I did. thought this was going to be really close. And it seemed like, you know, based on name value, of course, Kamara should come out on top. It ended up being extremely close. Oh, Cordero I Patterson. the shit out of you. It was great. You shut <laughs> up. <laughs> it was Cordero Patterson with 19.6 points in PPR. And Alvin Kamara, 20.4. Less than a point difference betwixt them. So that's a good bet then. Yeah, I think that was an incredible bet. I think the closest we've had, Mm -hmm. certainly this season, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. So as my penance, uh, I had to scramble because I forgot as we were going live here that I had to do this. So I ran downstairs quick uh, to my little bar cabinet and I grabbed the first bottle that I could find, and it is Kettle One Peach and Orange Blossom Vodka. Hmm. Uh, not my favorite. <laughs> I'll be honest. I was looking for, um, I had this like apple pie shot thing, which you've had, Dustin, because we mm-hmm. uh, sometimes celebrate a Packers touchdown with that. Uh, the missus put it in the freezer, and it is just one solid chunk of ice, unfortunately. It could not hold up. There's not enough booze, I guess, in it to keep it from freezing. That so. is unfortunate. It is unfortunate. So I'm going with this. So Dustin, you are a genius slash fantasy football amazing person. I forgot even how this is supposed to go. I feel like I'm ruining it for you. You are hold on. I can I can figure this out. <laughs> you are an amazing fantasy football prognosticator slash genius. There you got it. Thank you. Took me a, it you. took me a second time. Cheers to you. Uh, it feels great. I'm not gonna lie. I like that I'm on a little bit of a winning streak here now. That's two. That's two in a row. That's two thus far, shooter. That's right. So yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, we've got another great bet coming up here down at the end of the episode. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll see which side Jake wants since I am choosing the bet this week. But before we even get there, we've got our drunk trade of the week. So. Let's fire it off. Drunk, 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 hammer, drunk, 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 trade of the week. This week's I'm very excited to talk about. This comes in from Twitter at MN Sports on Porch. This is a repeat submitter. We we had one in the off season from this account. So thank mm-hmm. you for uh, continually providing us with this, this great content to riff on. Uh, the context here, it's a 10-team Superflex PPR league. I believe this is actually just redraft, but I'm, I'm not positive. Here's, here's the layout, the prelude, if you will. To honor the four-year anniversary of a four-way trade, we did it again. So all the same people that were involved with that initial trade uh, came back and they decided to celebrate with a follow-up. So here's the original one. Original trade occurred while four of us were enjoying a bottle of slow and low rock and rye whiskey. Basically an old-fashioned in a bottle, they say. Uh, All four of us took our worst player 
and simply passed them to the left. Players were, of course, shitty, but it made for a great story. Uh, by the way, a fun little side note here. Thanks for keeping fantasy football fun and pushing the trolls in their holes, Dustin. You are welcome for that. The words of encouragement. I don't know that I've ever pushed a troll into their hole, but I'm going to start immediately uh, to make good on, on this promise. <laughs> so without even getting into the trade, I'll break it down here in a bit. But Dustin, this idea is very interesting um, because basically each team is assessing who's the worst most droppable player, mm -hmm. and we're just going to shift it over because it probably doesn't matter. What do you think of that concept? I think it's it's interesting, but I, I think you need some sort of parameters in place to say this is my worst player because uh, it's a very subjective thing of who, I mean, just because I feel like someone's my worst player, you could probably say, well, that's not your worst player. It's this, it's X player over here. You know, it's, it's a very subjective thing unless you're going to go strictly by like fantasy points on the season. But then if they're not starting, if they're not in your starting lineup, they're not scoring points for you. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's kind of subjective, I think, uh, of deciding who your worst player is. But as as a whole, I kind of like that. OK, we're just going to take the worst player on our team, ship them off to another player. We're going to get someone shitty that someone else thinks they're a shitty player get them on the team. Maybe they'll do something for me. You know, I, I the concept itself, I, I'm intrigued and kind of like, but uh, just just yes. just some details to be worked out. Agreed. And I don't have that additional context, unfortunately. Uh, it is a very interesting idea, and it adds a little bit of fun and randomness into the league. I do wonder how the rest of the league, the other six people involved, feel about this. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it doesn't seem like there's any chance that it's like collusion or anything like that. No, no, um, no. I don't think so either. But it is interesting because it's up to the person sending off the the trade, of course, who is my worst person. That does eliminate any hinkiness, though, because mm -hmm. you're not going to try and give somebody a better player. You're right. actually going to look and try and figure out who the, the absolute worst player is. So, again, I want to refresh here real quick. It's a 10-team super flex PPR league. And now I'm going to go through just the players involved, and then we'll go through team by team. And I'm curious to hear from you who won this uh, trade, so to speak. But the players involved, Devin Singletary, Alexander Madison, CJ Uzama, and Taylor Heineke. So the only quarterback in this trade in a super flex league. Now it's 10 teams, so it's not quite as uh, pressing to get a quarterback, but still mm -hmm. obviously more, more favorable. So here's how it broke down. Team one, sent away Singletary, got Alexander Madison. What do you think? Even? Yeah, fairly even. Yeah, Singletary for Madison. Madison has the higher uh, ceiling in the event of a mm -hmm. Dalvin Cook injury. Uh, Singletary, you can actually just play week in and week out. You might not love it, but you can play him. Trade Team two, sent CJ Uzama, received Devin Singletary. What do you think there? That's... A little bit more interesting. Um, I feel like that's really team dependent. Uh, I know CJ Uzama will be talking about later. Uh, he's been crushing it as of late. Uh, Devin Singletary is a usable uh, person. I would probably take the Uzama side at this point. But again, it's so team dependent because uh, you're changing positions. Very true. Very true. But in a vacuum, mm -hmm. I guess. I'd go with uh, Uzama. You know, yeah. Uzama. Okay, so then Team 3 sent away Madison, received Taylor Heineke. This is the one I want to talk about. 
How big of a, a deal is it to get a starting quarterback? He's not great. I believe he's in quarterback Superflex, 20 on the season. But yeah, still. it's important. Even in a 10-team league, uh, it's, it's super flex. So you're starting those quarterbacks. He's had weeks where he's been very usable. So, yeah, I think that person there won that trade hands down, whoever got the Heineke. I would love to know what the rest of their roster looked like to be able to say, Taylor Heineke's my worst player in Superflex. Here, mm-hmm. have him. Take I know. Him, and I'll just take whatever you're sending back to me. Mm-hmm. That is bonkers to me. But uh, I digress. Team four sent away Heineke, received CJ Ozama. So here we go. The two best players out of this, in your opinion, uh, without, you know, dependency on the position. Heineke versus Ozama. You still going Heineke there? Yes. 100%. Yeah. Heineke. Whoever got Heineke... One, whoever had to trade away Heineke lost. <laughs> in my opinion, that's as, as easy as, as it is. So in terms of traditions, uh, while it's an amazing and fun tradition to just do this shift to the left thing for four mm-hmm. teams, I could see at this point the other six people in that league going, what the fuck, man? You're mm-hmm. just going to give away Taylor Heineke and you might get some pushback. Yeah, uh, absolutely. In, in that league. But that was fun. I, I enjoyed the, the submission nonetheless. So, Jake, before we do the ad read, we got a little shout out here in the chat from our good friend, JL, uh, friend of the show, been on the show. JL Garofalo, one of my favorite people uh, in existence. So hello to you as well. Yes. He called us beautiful boys, B-O-I-S, by the that's way. Right. And, and I think that's, that's how you know we're tight. <laughs> <laughs> is that better? Is is boys, B-O-I-S, better than B-O-Y-Z if you had your druthers? Ooh. Hmm? I don't know. That's a great question. We have to put that yeah, poll out on Twitter. We will have to put that poll out. <laughs> By the way, I think I might go with the Z just because, you know, I'm of that era. You know, I'm a I'm a mm-hmm. near millennial, but not quite. I, I appreciate anything with a Z. In any case, before we get on to our overperformers here for the rest of the episode... Did want to take a minute to let you know this week's episode is brought to you by Poor Richard's Farm. You've heard us talk about them every episode for the last few months here. Why? Because they are dynamite. Poor Richard's Farm offers 100% grass-fed beef snacks, sticks. They don't use fillers. They don't use artificial preservatives. What they use? A whole lot of flavor. Their beef sticks are smoked with real hardwood chips and come in a variety of flavors. You got your barbecue hickory, you got your teriyaki maple, you got your Tex-Mex mesquite, by far my favorite, mm. and then you got the OG original flavor. Mm. Right now, if you head on over to poorrichardsfarm.com today, get your free shipping when you buy three or more packs of these delicious, all-natural beef sticks. That's right. Thank you for that, Jake. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into this. I have been waiting and waiting, and we're finally here. Let's dive into this. So, overperformers, why don't you start us off, Jake, with your first one? Take a pick of your list. You don't have to start with the quarterback position. Choose whoever oh. you'd like. Oh, we can we'll, we'll start discussing. About. Yes. All right. I want to. I want to prelude this. I feel like I'm becoming a king of preludes. I always have to pre-explain myself before I say <laughs> things, so people don't throw stuff at me. Uh, but when I say they're an overperformer, what, what that means to me is this. Uh, this is not the expectation for them necessarily going forward, like you said at the top, but it could mm-hmm. be. Now, this first player, it's going to be a shock to people to call him an overperformer. When he came into the season, 
you had a very high expectation. He has, in a way, met that expectation. But it has not been met in a way that, to me, is sustainable for this year, unless things get corrected. With all of that out of the way, I'm talking about Patrick Mahomes, quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, it's stupid to call him an overperformer. He's the QB6 overall right now. Mm -hmm. What's, What's wrong with that? Well, nothing's wrong with the result of that. Of course, you still love Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, you wanted him to be a top two guy probably coming That's into probably this year. That's probably where you drafted him. Right? If you didn't take him, you know, in our league, he was taken number one overall. So QB6 is not that. <laughs> so if you're disappointed in that, so how can he possibly be overperforming at quarterback six? Here's why. He should be much worse right now with the way that he's actually played. He is 20th among quarterbacks and adjusted net yards per attempt. Adjusted net yards takes into account all of those stupid sort of randomized factor and just cuts out the fat and says, what's the net yards per his passing attempt? He is nestled between Teddy Bridgewater and Ben Roethlisberger. Those are not two names you want to be in a, in a short list with in in a uh, arm strength competition or a yards per attempt competition. <laughs> That's awful. He's 29th out of 33 eligible quarterbacks in completed air yards per attempt. He has the fifth worst uh, bad throw percentage in the league. So shout out pro football reference uh, for that stat. Bad throw is exactly what it sounds like. Has no chance of really being completed unless your wide receiver goes above and beyond to make that happen. He's 21st in completion percentage. As crazy as it sounds to say, his being a top fantasy quarterback, a top 10, is based more on luck right now than skill. That's obviously not the case historically. That's not what he's been in the last couple of years. He's the dynasty quarterback one coming into this year for 99% of people. And he's sitting at quarterback six, and I still feel like that's too high for him. And if he plays like he did against Green Bay again, just talked about it, he finished worse than Jordan Love, who was quarterback 18 this week. Everybody looks off. It's not all on him. But if I had to take a guess, he finishes lower than quarterback six the rest of the way. And uh, it could be like fringe quarterback one territory. That's mm-hmm. not great. No, that's definitely not what you are expecting uh, when you drafted him where you did. So, yeah, um, I don't know. Could you still say he's overperforming, though? I don't know. I think he is. I think he's overperforming based on where he should be right now. Because, like, watching him play, it's just been so weird. Like, if you just watch him play, you're like, mm-hmm. well, that guy's, like, barely a quarterback one. And he's he's, I don't know. A lot of his work is just being done by Tyreek Hill, to be fair. And even he's not amazing right now, but he's picking Mm -hmm. up a lot of the slack. I'm just saying, like, if I had to choose right now, if quarterback six is my cutoff for the rest of the year and I had to go above or below, I'm I'm going below. Ooh, that's spicy. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't hate it. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, who do you want to talk about? Well, since you let off with quarterback, I will follow suit here. Uh, My quarterback, and I will admit, this player I was not very high on to start the season. I thought the hype was too much. 
uh, and he's proven me wrong so far to date. So I will eat crow on this uh, nine games into the season here. Uh, I, I will I will admit I was wrong so far. Uh, and quarterback I'm talking about is Jalen Hurts. Uh, he is currently the quarterback two on the season. Quarterback two. That is big bonkers. Bonkers. I did not expect that. I knew he was having a, a, a very good fantasy season. Let's be honest. Real life NFL hasn't been all that great. He's he's flashed. But for fantasy purposes, he's doing great. Uh, he is in a very tight uh, bunch here in, with the top five, all within about five points of each other. So, I mean, it, it is a very tight group there with the top five quarterbacks. But the fact that he's up there at number two uh, just blows my mind. So the reason why I think he's overperforming is, one, I did not expect him to perform at this level. I thought he would maybe be a low-end QB1, high-end QB2 for the season. Uh, I was not expecting this. But the other thing that um, really just sticks out when you look at like the stats on the season so far, and granted, he's got nine games. Some of the quarterbacks have eight games, so it's not like an even one-for-one look here but he's got five rushing touchdowns on the season so far. I don't expect that to be sustainable for the rest of the season. Uh, I I know he's getting his opportunities. Miles Sanders has been hurt. Um, The Eagles over the last couple weeks have become much more run heavy than, than pass heavy, uh, which we've seen what he can do with his legs. Like I said, five touchdowns already. I mean, he's most likely not going to end up with double-digit touchdowns at the end of the season. Uh, you just don't see quarterbacks doing that on a consistent basis. Yeah, Lamar's done it before. Josh Allen did it a couple years ago. But really, that's it. I mean, you don't see a ton of quarterbacks hitting that double-digit touchdown um, on the ground. And then, to couple with that, he only has only but he's got only 11 passing touchdowns on the season. So maybe he'll he'll get some more of those passing touchdowns to offset the, the loss of the rushing touchdowns. Um, but I just don't see him being as efficient and for fantasy purposes as he's been, especially on the ground. And that's why I feel like he's overperforming. Uh, at this point, I still think he'll finish as a top 12 quarterback. He will be a QB1 on the season. Uh, barring the wheels totally falling off. You know, like I said, I will eat crow on that, and I will admit he will be a QB1. Uh, I just don't see him finishing, you know, as high as he is as the number two overall quarterback. I just really want to see you eat crow. After saying that phrase multiple times, <laughs> I, I, I don't even know how you would attack it. You know, if you would go in feet first, if if uh, if you would pan fry it ahead of time, <sighs> if you would just be like Ozzy Osbourne and be a psychopath and, and eat it out right. I don't know, but I would love <laughs> to have that be the end of season wrap up for our show. So if you want to start considering that, uh, Jalen Hurts, please continue doing what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do agree, though. I mean, I was high on Jalen Hurts, mostly just I'll, I'll give her a shout out. But Michelle Maju convinced me Jalen Hurts was going to be, you know, a, a big thing this year. But I didn't think it would be quarterback two. Uh, yeah, I could definitely see him inside the top ten. And like you said, he's going to finish there. Mm-hmm. He has to basically by default. Uh, and he's doing it all by himself. Um, much to the chagrin of anybody who really wanted Devontae Smith to be a thing this year. I know. Uh, who do you got next, Jake? I'm, I'm going to shift into running backs here. I want to talk about James Connor, uh, son of, of Sarah Connor, 
by the way. Not, not a lot of people know that. He is currently the RB11 overall. Uh, it's wild. I mean, it's wild. Even when you look at points per game, mm-hmm. he's currently RB20 in points per game. Cuts out some of the clutter there. Uh, and that, and that's still much higher than I had him ranked coming into this season. Dustin, I don't know, know about you, but I had him outside of my top 35 running backs this year. Mm-hmm. I think. I'd have to go back and check, but I, I was not high on him. Let's put it that way. Uh, and and here's the deal. He's been getting it done with, uh, with touchdowns. It's all mm-hmm. touchdowns. 50% of his fantasy points have come from touchdowns to this point. It's fucking absurd. That's, how that's did, crazy. That's fucking absurd. He is tied with Derrick Henry for the most rushing touchdowns in the league. So he's got 10. Derrick Henry's got 10. That's what tied means. Uh, but Henry's have come on 219 rushing attempts. Connors have come on 115. It's basically just half. His touchdown efficiency is ridiculous. Uh, you might be obviously excited for him the next couple of weeks. It looks like Chase Edmonds is going to be out for a couple of weeks. He got hurt last game. So, you know, Connor basically should get the backfield to himself. Unless you believe, you know, Benjamin is going to just come in and basically... Uh, oversee Chase Edmonds' mm-hmm. role, which could be the case. But either way, there's no way this can sustain. That's, I mean, you're looking at the the Tyler Lockett touchdown efficiency from like two, three years ago, where we're just like, this guy can't keep doing this, you know? And then he keeps doing it. But there has to be a point where the floor drops out, where the bottom drops out. And I think that's coming sooner than later. If he gets the full workload too, you got to worry about him standing up to that because, you know, he's had issues with injuries in the past when he gets too much work. And so that's also a concern for me. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's fucking 50%, Dustin, 50% of his fantasy points on touchdowns. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> Thank you for emboldening me, emboldening me in that. <laughs> I just wanted yeah. to express how nuts that is. Uh, I'm here for you, Jake. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was doing kind of what we expected, um, getting those goal line touches, and and being the inside the twenty, the red zone kind of bruise the back, get it into the end zone. I don't think any of us expected him to score this many touchdowns. That's the thing. We expect him to be way less efficient on the ground uh, scoring those touchdowns. Maybe Kyler running in some more of those, uh, using AJ Green, Hopkins you know, uh, as the big bodied receivers in the end zone. Yeah. And, and some of those things just aren't happening. He's getting the ball. He's, they obviously trust him there. So while it could continue and yes, he's probably going to still continue to score touchdowns, but yeah, it's not going to be at the pace we've seen. And really that's his only fantasy value. I mean, now at this point with Edmonds being hurt, yeah, he might get a little bit more uh, touches, but I don't know. I, I don't think, you know, we kind of talked about this, I think, before the season started, where this is one of the backfields where, like, well, who's going to get the bulk of the carries and, and how is this going to look? Ah, he's just not built to, to take, you know, 300 touches in a season, which is why they had Chase Edmonds going between the 20s right. and then Connor in the red zone. So uh, I believe Eno Benjamin's next on deck there. Uh, which is the more the receiving back. So I feel like, you know, Connor's probably going to keep his role. He might be a little bit more involved, but overall I think he's going to keep the role he has and they're just going to kind of plug and play, you know, Benjamin at this point. So yeah, I, I like this one. I, I mean, the, the touchdown rate is just wholly unsustainable for the rest of the season. 
stupid is what it is. <laughs> Dustin, it is who stupid. do you want to talk about next? This is another guy came out of nowhere. And you know what? I just, I can't believe that he's going to continue to perform the way he has. And that's Corderell Patterson, currently RB7 on the season. RB7. Wow. That is disgusting. Uh, <laughs> coming out Unless of nowhere. you roster him, and then it's amazing. Well, absolutely. But the <laughs> fact is, he came out of nowhere. Nobody expected him to do anything. This was supposed to be Mike Davis's backfield. Uh, and to be fair, while he's getting some rushes, that's not really where he's making his bread and butter here. He's scoring a lot of his points in the receiving game. And I know with Calvin Ridley out now for who knows how long, uh, chances are he is going to be more involved. But we've seen Kyle Pitts come on the last few weeks. Uh, Russell Gage was, I believe he was injured or sick or something. So he wasn't playing or he was out for a couple weeks. He's getting back into football shape here and getting more involved with the offense. Uh, So I feel like... I just I, I can't imagine he's going to continue to do this for the rest of the year. Uh, um, scoring touchdowns, I think he's got five receiving touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns on the season. Um, I just don't see this continuing. He's uh, he's doing great. Uh, it's a great story on the season, but I just don't see this uh, continuing, especially since this Atlanta offense um, isn't quite what we expected it to be. I think that they can turn it around as the season's going on and, and don't spread the word too much, but Matt Ryan has actually become an okay fantasy quarterback now after those first few rough weeks. So um, with, with, I think a little bit more comfort in this new offensive scheme that they have, uh, you're going to see Matt Ryan hitting the receivers that you expect rather than the running back, that's been converted to a rad receiver, converted back to a running back uh, player that we have there in Corderell Patterson. Now that's interesting because he said, you know, he he can't he can't keep doing this. And we've talked about this. I don't know mm-hmm. how many times on this show. It feels like every other episode we talk about this, but it's worth talking about because it's so rare and weird. Mm-hmm. But with Calvin Ridley gone, I want to revisit this question that we had a few episodes ago, really quickly. This, this was from our Believe It or Not episode. Mm-hmm. And I posited, and this was for you to choose whether you, you agreed with it or not. I posited Cordero Patterson finishes 2021 with more fantasy points than any other Atlanta skill position player. So excluding Matt Ryan. Right. Obviously now Ridley's out of the mix. Do you still, what do you think of this question now? It can that still be the thing, or is it Kyle Pitts that's gonna take over for him? Because Kyle Pitts has been doing very well. I think it can be Kyle Pitts. Fair. Don't you don't know. seem super confident with that. I mean, it's but. definitely uh a, a lot uh, more interesting um with mm-hmm. Ridley out. Because it's I a mean, two man race we, now. It is. I mean, and and Patterson has quite the lead on on Pitts right now. Patterson has mm-hmm. 153.7 while Kyle Pitts has 96.6 points. So, I mean, there is quite a spread there, uh, but I think just rest of season, I would rather take Pitts and just his upside on there um, than, than Patterson. I don't know. And it, and it might just be my, my personal bias against Patterson from not really doing a whole lot throughout his career to date. 
that, for his that first I don't believe, 20 years of his career. Yeah, that I just don't feel like he, he's going to be able to continue this. So, I mean, like I said, maybe that's just a personal bias for me. Uh, but I would be willing to admit that if that's the case. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, personal biases uh, are probably going to cloud your judgment of this next guy I want to talk about. So mm -hmm. I just want you to understand that this is not a personal attack, Dustin. <laughs> this is not meant to go against you. Uh, but I'm going to be talking about somebody that you're very high on, exceedingly high on, and that is Cortland Sutton, uh, wide receiver for the, the Denver Broncos. Now, mm -hmm. to this point, of course, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, Cortland Sutton has looked good mm -hmm. uh, for fantasy ideas where people were ranking him coming into the season. It, it was very low. Cortland mm -hmm. Sutton, however, is sitting at wide receiver 27 overall right now uh and that that is well and good and maybe you know based off a couple of weeks ago much much lower actually than what you're expecting because mm -hmm. he had flirted with that you know mid wide receiver two range you, you know between the top 15 to 24 there so now he's sitting outside that at wide receiver 27 here's why <laughs> it's because jerry judy came back so jerry judy one game back has already started, in my opinion, to kind of relegate Cortland Sutton to a lesser role uh, or, or a less consistent role mm -hmm. in that offense because the splits with and without Jerry Judy playing this year are devastating. Uh, there is some context missing from this. I know at least one of these games that I'm going to talk about here uh, was just an odd game all around, and so that factors into this. But... Without Jerry Judy playing, Cortland Sutton had 17.1 fantasy points per game. That's great. That's what you want. That is the Cortland Sutton that we became high on and you started off high on. But with Jerry Judy in the lineup, that drops to 4.1 fantasy points per game. That's just three starts. And like I said, there was one game that had some hinkiness in there. But that is still devastating. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can raise that, let's say, to account for some of that weird shit. Let's raise it to eight fantasy points per game. That's still less than half of what it is without Jerry Judy in the lineup. That makes me nervous because I love Teddy Bridgewater from a real-life uh, NFL perspective. I think people ragged on the guy way too much last year in mm -hmm. Carolina. I thought he was good then. He actually did sustain three top 30 wide receivers in Carolina last year without Chris McCaffrey, but still. But this year in that offense, it just doesn't seem like it's going to be built for all of these guys. Tim Patrick has gotten way more involved than I think any of us believed he would be. Mm -hmm. Some of that's just because Judy was gone, but even with him in there, Patrick's still getting his. So I got to ask you, Dustin, are you still a firm believer that Cortland Sutton, you know, is that wide receiver two level guy for the rest of the year? Yes. I say without a lot of confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Splits be damned. Get out of here with your facts. I've talked to Joe Rogan about it. He agrees. Cortland Sutton, wide receiver, two rest of season. <laughs> That's right. I, I mean, I. it's hard to argue with what we've seen. With Like you said, you pointed out the splits with Jerry and Judy. Uh, he is obviously a very important piece in that offense. And I'm hoping it's just they're trying to get him involved coming back from the injury here. Uh, and maybe things will even out a little bit. 
Um, but maybe not. Maybe, you know, Jerry Judy is a real deal and Cortland Sutton is going to be regulating. Reg- uh, uh, regulated. You got to do it. Regulated. In the, no, it's you not gotta regulated. Do it. Oh, relegated. Gonna, there you go. Relegated. <laughs> Thank you for uh, helping me with my words, Jake. Um, no. He's going to be pushed. Maybe he is going to be that number two wide receiver on the team and not the alpha that, that I was expecting. Um, I, I think he has this complete skill sets to do it. And maybe part of it too, is he's just still maybe having a little bit of recovery from that ACL injury and not quite confident hundred percent with, with that knee yet. So maybe that's part of the issue. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's hard to argue with you in these, uh, these stats that you, you shove in my face. Um, just besmirching yeah, my beloved numbers, Cortland Sutton. Um, but yeah, like he's he's someone to be concerned about, definitely. Uh, definitely someone to keep an eye on, a close eye on, as things progress here the rest of the season. Fair enough. And I will be doing just that. And I'll come back with different stats if I have to. But who, who else do you want to talk about tonight? So I've got uh, Marquise Brown as my wide receiver. Excuse me. My wide receiver for this week. Uh, overperforming. He's currently wide receiver six on the season. In only eight games, so he's got less games. So you could say, oh, he could be even higher. Yeah, he could. But here's why I feel like he's overproducing. So he's got six touchdowns on the season, which, nice. that That's fairly average um, as far as what the top wide receivers are doing. But he's only done it on 80, not 80. I'm looking at the wrong line. My eyes. 69. My eyes at a very nice 69 targets. When you're looking at the rest of the players in the top 12, with the exception of DK Metcalf, everyone is in the seventies or eighties, or you get Cooper cup and Tyree kill, which are over a hundred. He's just not quite getting the, the receptions or the targets. I mean that, that you're seeing kind of that alpha wide receiver that is typically in the top 12 for, um, while he's got a good catch percentage, uh, it's right in line with everyone else. He's, I just, I just don't know that there's enough volume in that offense to sustain him. And then couple that with the fact that Rashad Bateman is back. He's been getting more involved in that offense. He's looking like the real deal. He has flashed. He's looked really good. I don't know that this offense can sustain two wide receivers and Mark Andrews with Lamar running the ball like he does. I just I just don't know that that's going to happen. Uh, and, I, and I do think Rashad Bateman is a better wide receiver than, than Brown is. So I expect him to be more involved, which means Brown's usage will fall off. So that's why I feel like he's overperforming and, and, and is not going to kind of sustain this production that we've seen the first half of the season through the end of the year. I agree 100% with Rashad Bateman creeping in the back door. Because he is one of my ideal, if he's on waivers, you pick him up. If you're in a deep league and you can trade for him, trade for him. Because since he's gotten back in the three games he's played, he's been amazing. He has mm-hmm. 20% of the target share. What is nice with Brown, at least. By the way, I agree he's overperforming and he's going to drop a little bit. I just I don't think he'll fall off the face of the earth. 
But it is nice because it just goes through three guys with the Ravens. And it's the right. three you mentioned. It's Mark Lees, it's it's Rashad Bateman, it's Mark Andrews. But at least you know the clutter is gone. Like, nobody else is getting involved there. Sammy Watkins, get the fuck out of here. We know we, right. you are not going to be involved. So, you know, that part's nice. But, yeah, I, if I had to guess, I'd say he finishes right as a fringe wide receiver one. Not, not where he's at now, but I don't think he, yeah. He drops like crazy. I, I would say probably high end wide receiver one, maybe like 14, 15, right around there. High end wide receiver two. Two. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Two. two. Give me two. Utah, give me two. That's right. Fair <laughs> fair enough. Anytime we can work in a point break reference to this fucking You show, have to. I'm the happiest man alive. Uh, almost as happy as when I get to talk about CJ Uzama, who I'm going to talk about <laughs> as my final entry here into the overperformers. CJ Uzama, uh, I mean, God love him because he came out of nowhere. He had like one real big blow up game last year. Uh, and then nobody thought about him again until because he got injured. And then he came in this year and he's like, fuck all you guys. I'm going to keep doing this. He's currently the tight end 10 overall. I know that that's meaningless. We talk about it all the time. Anybody outside like the top four who even cares. But it is still weird that CJ Uzama is tight end 10 overall um and here's why he has uh uh 80 excuse me he has only 28 targets this whole time he's played nine games and only had 28 targets that's one more than dawson knox who's only played six games and that was already kind of high for dawson knox based on what (laughs) he did the previous year he has five touchdowns despite only having two red zone targets So that's, for a tight end, that is Mm -hmm. really impressive. I mean, that's good. Great. Congratulations to you, CJ, for doing that. Uh, That's really good. But what I don't think is sustainable, he has the six highest yards per target among all pass catchers. Not just tight ends. Everybody who's out there catching passes. Six highest yards per target. How the hell does that happen? Well, when you only have 28 targets, it makes it a little bit easier. Um, But a lot like James Conner where we talked about, you know, it's crazy where his fantasy points have actually come from. Mm-hmm. 52% of Uzama's fantasy points came in just two games. Two out of nine games, that's where more than half of your production came from. So that kind of explains it. If you didn't have, or if you had him started outside of those two games, you're like, well, here's every other fucking tight end that I've ever considered mm-hmm. starting. You know, just miserable, nothing production. If you were lucky enough to start him for those two games, Awesome. Because, you know, that probably helped you quite a bit win that week. But there's no way that Uzama continues doing this, especially in that offense, because they're, I hate saying it, but I have to say it. There's a lot of mouths. There's a lot of mouths to feed in that offense. T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, probably should have flipped those names in order of hierarchy. But uh, (laughs) Tyler Boyd, uh, even Joe Mixon, who we, I know we hate. But you have to admit, he's been he's mm-hmm. been doing work. So. I, I really wanted to put him on my overperformer for running back this year, uh, just because my dislike for him. But I had to be honest with myself and give you know try to be unbiased about it, uh, and and realize that no, he's actually doing what everyone expected him to do all these years. He's finally just putting it all together. Uh, so I got to give him credit for that, even though it doesn't change the fact I don't like the man. But. Yeah. You're the bigger man. You're the better man. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. 
<laughs> you can sound confident in that. It's not harder to be the better man over Joe Mixon. Let's be honest. Well, uh, who true. do you want to who do you want to hit on for your tight end? All right. So my tight end is Hunter Henry. I, I did a quick pivot here, um, looking at the list. Changed it to Hunter Henry. Similar to Uzoma, he's only got 38 targets on the season. Not that many compared to the rest of the tight ends. Yeah, he's number eight overall. And again, it's blah, blah, blah. Tight ends suck outside the top three. Uh, But again, he's got the five touchdowns, just like your boy there. So he's very touchdown dependent. That Patriots offense, I just don't know that that's going to continue for him with the... So I just, I just don't believe that that he's going to continue to get these touchdowns and he's going to end up with 10, 12 touchdowns by the end of the season. Uh, I think that's going to slow down. They'll drop him down in the ranks. Not much more to say there. Is any of that to do with your holding out hope for Jonu Smith? Or is this nope. independent of that? It's okay. independent of that. Uh, there is no hope for Jonu at this point either, which yeah, pains I, my heart. But really it is what it is. I really wanted to cling to that. I know. <laughs> I was hoping. Oh. I know. So um, let's move on. You feel like we got all of our performers out of there. Is there anyone else you want to touch yeah. on real quick? No. No? Okay. <laughs> no. All right. Fair I enough. Think we, I think we did it. Fair enough. All right. So let's go to our start of the week, and let's re- do our review from last week here. So, Jake, you had Aaron Rodgers versus Kansas City. Wah, wah, wah. I'm a fucking curse, Dustin. I'm a curse with this segment here. Watch out, new guy. Because the week before that was Robert Tunyon, and then he got hurt. So, A, I just need to stop picking Packers players to do well. well. Well, yes, you should do that. But also, just, yeah, look out, new guy. Mm-hmm. And then I had Hunter Renfro versus Baltimore, as I'm flipping between screens here, um, trying to see where exactly he finished on the on the week. Um, very, very high. I'll tell you that. He was a top 12 guy this last week. So for that, you deserve... A million yes. kudos. Finished as number 11 on the week. So I like that a lot. That was a good call. Number one wide receiver on for the Hunter week. Hunter so. frickin' Renfo. This is why you listen to this show here, folks, for Dustin and that yep. sweet-ass insight. That's right. So let's uh, hope I can keep the good times rolling here. Uh, my start of the week for this week is Mike Kiseki versus Baltimore. Um. I really like the matchup. Um, Baltimore is second to last in the league versus tight ends. Uh, they are giving up on average 18.4 points per game to the tight end position. It's a lot. It's a lot. And Mike Kosecki has been coming on as of late here, especially with uh, Tua back in the fold, although we don't know what's going to happen with Tua uh, moving forward here. But uh, he has been coming on as of late as the season has progressed doing very, very well. So I can, I'm going to think that's going to continue here, uh, especially with this juicy, juicy matchup. Jake juicy. It's it's very juicy. Although I feel weird saying that word in relation to it. It gives me the moist kind of, uh, you know, inclinations there. Yeah. It's a little, little, that's just me. Uh, my start of the week, 
this is a little bit contingent, so I, I hate to do that. I hate to be that guy, but it doesn't look like Zach Moss is going to start this next week. He left uh, last week's game with a concussion. If that's true, if Zach Moss is out, Devin Singletary is a smash running back uh, against the New York Jets. First and only time I'll use that phrase for Devin Singletary this year <laughs> uh, because it, it hasn't been great for him, but the Jets are absolute garbage against running backs. They are the worst in the league. So it's a similar thought process with the, the Ravens against tight ends. The Jets against running backs, you just you start them. So when Zach Moss was out last week, Singletary played 48 of 67 snaps, ran 35 routes. Uh, he didn't get a ton of work rushing, weirdly enough, but he made up for it with the passing work. He was very involved, got eight targets on the day. So Although that was know, just a weird game, though, too. Oh, very true. And and a disconcerting one if you're a Bills fan, mm -hmm. by the way. Absolutely. Dear Lord, did you expect to lose to the Jags? I hope not. Because uh, then, you know, what are you doing? But, you know, point still stands. If they're in a better game script, he'll get more rushing work. If they're in a worse game script somehow, I can't imagine how. But if they are, then he'll, he'll see that receiving work. So you're safe either way. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. I like it. Okay, one last thing to cover here before we uh, sign off, and that's our, our beer bet for the week. So I chose the two players this week. Jake, it is sure. your job. I will let you choose which one you want here, and we're just going to go PPR points. It's just okay. straight up PPR points. We've got Noah Fant versus Dallas Godair. Godair. Godair or go home. Uh, I am going to side with the Noah Fant side here. Uh, presuming he's, you know, healthy. Uh, he what, didn't play last week. Albert O played in his seed and did not do well. So if no offense back, the Eagles are also terrible against tight ends. They're right there with Baltimore. So they I'll are take last. Fant. Yeah. They are, they are first worst, as some people might say. <laughs> uh, sure. Where, where uh, Denver is number two versus uh, tight ends. So, so that's a uh, tough straw to draw. It here. is. It is. It is. But I, I figure, uh, you know, fans been underperforming a, a little bit versus expectations. Um, I expect Godare to be more involved here as the season goes on. So that, that was the whole impetus of this one here. So fair. Um, fair. And I've got the injury concerns to deal with, mm -hmm. which you don't. So that that adds a layer to it for sure. And obviously, if if we find out come the weekend that he's not going to play, we will pivot to a different beer bet, of course, uh, just to make it fair, because we don't want to be doing shots because of injuries. That's just not. Fuck no, you don't victory lap shots or you don't victory lap injuries in any way, even if it does involve shots. That's right. We're, we're classier than that. Yes. Well, we try to be. So that will do it for this week's show, folks. Um Look at us keeping it right about an hour this week. Look at it. We're, we're good for a change. Um, but yeah, um, your weekly reminder from us, check your waiver wire for drop players. You never know who's going to get dropped with all these buys going on. And speaking of buys, you've got Chicago, Cincinnati, Houston, and the New York Giants all on buy this week. So uh, take them out of their lineup, please, because they will score you no points. And of course... Go out, give us a rate and review on Apple.
Podcasts or wherever you rate and review your podcasts. It helps us become more accessible to everyone. Tell your friends, tell your family, shout it from the rooftops how awesome we are and uh, where people can find us. We have our YouTube page here where we stream every single week. Uh, if you're not subscribed to that, please subscribe, hit the bell. It'll alert, alert you when uh, we go live, uh, which is great because then you get to see our beautiful faces that were made for radio. Uh, <laughs> Handcrafted for radio, for sure. That's right. And if you want other great fantasy advice, uh, go check out our Twitter page. We will answer any questions you have. If you DM us, tag us in, in polls or questions, trade questions, you name it, we're there for you. That's at Drinking Fantasy. Jake, where can folks find you out there? Uh, they can find me at Jake Trowbridge. And you can find me at FF Dusty Dog. And until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers. Shut, shut, shut.